What's up, you guys? I'm Anya. And I'm Kylie. And this is Two Degrees Hotter, the postgrad podcast where we get real about life after college every Tuesday. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Two Degrees Hotter. This is a super exciting one, you guys, because we got to interview someone that we've both been following for the longest time. You know her. You love her. She's your gal on the go. (laughs) We got to chat with Brooke Michio. So um, we had a really fun conversation. We kind of talked about, you know, being an influencer, um, maybe having an unconventional career as a young woman and kind of how she navigates that, advice she would have for people just joining the social media space. And then we talk a little bit about her recent move to New York as well. So it was really fun chatting with her and we know that you guys are going to love this episode. Yeah, she's legit so sweet and she gave such good answers. So you'll definitely want to stick around and listen to what she had to say. Definitely. But before we hop into our section with Brooke, why don't we do our segments? So for my week in review, I just wanted to highlight something while it's still July because I just learned today that it is apparently plastic-free July. So I guess this was a movement that started in Australia a couple years ago, and it's just kind of like taking the month of July to really make an effort to reduce your plastic waste. So I just wanted to let everyone know because um, I know we can't use reusable grocery bags right now, which is kind of at least the way I feel like I interact with. Um, trying to be more plastic free like day to day. Mm -hmm. But there are definitely a lot of other ways to get creative about reducing your plastic waste. So it's a perfect time to change an old habit or, you know, finally buy that cute reusable cup you've been eyeing. I personally am contributing to Plastic Free July by ordering my very first menstrual cup. Maybe that's a little TMI, but I've always been really excited to try them. And um, obviously, you know, applicators from tampons contribute a whole lot to landfills. So mm-hmm. um, I'll let you guys know if I like it in a future episode, but that's been my contribution. So I encourage you to kind of brainstorm your your way to contribute to Plastic Free July and just try your best. Yeah. Do you know our like our places like Starbucks? I'm I say Starbucks because that's where my reusable cup is from. Are they allowing you to bring your own cup? Because I know like I don't know reusable grocery bags are banned because of COVID. Yeah. So I, I assume like a sanitary thing. Yeah, I feel like they're probably not doing yeah, fill their fill your own cups right now. But yeah, which just is. lets us get creative about other ways. Yes, for <laughs> sure. For sure. Um so my <laughs> week in review this week is a bit uh much. So I've seen mainly on TikTok and then it's also started popping up on my Instagram the hashtag free Britney movement. Mm-hmm. Which is, if it's true, and I need to do a bit more of a deep dive into how much of a conspiracy theory this actually is, because if it's true, it's actually awful. But people are suspicious that. So I guess when Britney Spears, that's who I'm talking. I don't know if I said Britney Spears, but that's the Britney that's implied mm-hmm. in Free Britney. Um, but. When she kind of had her mental breakdown and, like, a lot of her mental health issues back in, like, 2007, her dad was granted a conservatorship, I think is Mm -hmm. what it's called. Yeah. Um, As, like, you get granted that when, like, when you can't take care of yourself. So, for example, a lot of, like, elderly people, like, their children will have a conservatorship over them to, like, make sure that, like, 
their finances and like stuff that they can't take care of themselves is still in line so that they don't get penalized for it essentially. So he got granted that and I guess people suspect that he's been like literally holding Britney hostage essentially like where she doesn't have any access to like her own money. She has lost custody or she has 30% custody of her kids or something like that because there was an incident with her dad um she like isn't allowed to go out without his permission like is literally being held hostage by this man and I know a lot of people have commented that like she's posted really weird things mm-hmm. on social media and people are suspect that like it's because she's like almost she's so like medicated like to the point of like almost being sedated like she can't function on her own so yeah, I've been, I've started following this. I by no means know everything that there is to know about it. So if I'm messing anything up, feel free to <laughs> please DM me because I'm trying to follow this. But yeah, it's just, it's crazy. If it's yeah. true, I'm like, this is so disgusting and I can't believe it's like happening under our noses. I know. I, I definitely am kind of buying into it. I just think there's yeah. too much, too much evidence and too many people buying yeah. in for, for it to be a conspiracy theory and I think like I've seen celebrities like Paris Hilton Mm -hmm. posted about it and I feel like since I think they used to be friends like I just think there's yeah lots of confirmation out there so I don't know even if it's not true I'd rather like err on the side of caution and be on her side yeah so it's super sad um obviously like wish I could support her in any way possible but yeah just trying to stay in the loop on it I guess is all we can do right now yeah, I know. I think there's a court date coming up in the next few weeks to, like, renew mm-hmm. the conservatorship. So, I don't know if there's petitions or anything like that. Like I said, the hashtag is pretty saturated at this point. So, I'm assuming that it's not hard to find, one, information on it and two ways to help. So, definitely encourage that because I agree. I think it's always best to err on the side of the victim and believing that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So, yeah, absolutely crazy sending her all the good vibes and hoping that the court date goes well in that um well in her favor and yes she can regain some of her life back because that's so scary not to get so like debbie downer at the beginning (laughs) of the episode um let's jump into our favorites So I wanted to highlight this favorite in particular because it is a recommendation that I got from Brooke, our guest today. So I thought I would throw it in here. I've been thinking about saying it for a while, but I thought this was the best opportunity. So it is a salt lamp nightlight and I really like salt lamps. Kylie and I, we bought our salt lamps together. Do you remember that? Yeah. In uh, Portland? Yeah. And we got them in Portland, Maine. And it sounded like a really good idea because it was like the cheapest we'd ever seen them. It was like a really mm-hmm. cute local boutique that we were going to be supporting. But then we bought them and we realized we would have to like make the mile long trek back to the parking garage where we yep. left the car because these things are like, what, like five pounds probably. Oh, like they're not, you can't, <laughs> you can't just carry them around for like the rest of your shopping day. Um, but yeah, this was like a couple years ago. So I've always really loved having that. Um, and Brooke has mentioned these salt lamp nightlights before. So um, I actually, I think she got hers on Amazon. I actually found mine at five below. So I'd recommend checking there if you have one near you, but I've been really liking it for like showers. I know that's like mm-hmm. Brooke's main thing is having just the the salt lamp nightlight on in the shower, or it's just like, it's a little more than like your average nightlight's worth of light. So I feel like it's nice if you're just like doing your skincare routine, like just getting into a vibe 
So yeah, it's been really fun. I thought I would um, yeah. jump on the bandwagon of Brooke's recommendation for this episode. Yeah, the perfect little R&R accessory. Is that the, the phrase? So my favorite for this week is definitely a bit of a, a niche <laughs> favorite, but I got a matte screen protector for my iPad. So anyone who's been listening to the podcast knows that I'm obsessed with my iPad. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. And I specifically really want to use it for my upcoming semester of law school for taking notes. Um, Actually, I think this week I'm going to hunker down and just buy the Good Notes app. So I'll keep you guys updated on what I think of that. But that's an aside. So basically, I saw a bunch of like recommendations and reviews for matte screen protectors because when you're using your Apple Pencil on the iPad, like it's obviously writing on glass and that doesn't feel the same as paper obviously because it's like slippery Mm -hmm. um so people recommended a matte screen protector because it gives you that like drag that a pencil on paper would have so you like have a bit more control of your handwriting and I would definitely say that as far as like taking notes because I've done like little test notes um and then using procreate for our graphics on Instagram I've definitely like found I have way more control of the pen and I just feel like I'm not like hacking my way through it essentially I mean I still kind of am but a little less now Mm -hmm. with this my only like two well one con and one concern is that it does very slightly lower the quality of the screen because it's matte so like it just adds like a texture that like Mm -hmm. you can see through if that makes sense in my opinion like it hasn't made it unwatchable like I like to watch like YouTube videos on my iPad for example and I'm not like oh my god I can't look at it it's such bad quality nothing like that um but definitely something to consider and then I'm also a bit weary that the texture of it might wear down the tip of my Apple Pencil which is kind of unavoidable like it those wear down you can buy replacements for them so like mentally I know that even if I was just using glass like eventually the tip would wear down, but I am cautious that this might like accelerate mm-hmm. the wear down. So just like being careful with that. But yeah, I'll keep you guys updated if either of those things become a bigger problem and you're in the market for a matte screen protector for your iPad. I doubt it, but <laughs> yeah. follow along on Kylie's iPad, <laughs> <My> iPad journey. <laughs> oh God. All right. So now we are going to hop into the main content of our episode so Anya and I are kind of geeking out right now we're really (laughs) excited because we have Brooke Michio as a guest on our podcast hi Um, oh my gosh you guys are so sweet that was me up wow (laughs) well so we've both been fans of yours for a couple years now both your channel and gals on the go um, so we're really looking forward to being able to chat with you about it and giving our listeners the chance to get to know you a little bit better as a person, first and foremost, and kind of the job that you are in right now. Thank you. I love it. And I love what you guys are doing with your show. So awesome. Yay. So excited. <laughs> so I'm sure, you know, given our audience, a lot of our listeners likely know you from your YouTube or Gals on the Go. But for those who might not, would you mind kind of briefly introducing yourself and what you do? Of course. Um so I guess right now I'm 23 years old, um, living in New York, and I, I do content creation or I'm a full-time influencer, if you will. I kind of like content creation better because I feel like that really encompasses all of that it is. You know, it's content across all platforms. So 
Uh, the priority is YouTube, but then also I have my own podcast that I have, a fr- I have with one of my best friends, Danielle Carolyn, um, and Instagram and just all other forms of social media with that. So I, po- I post YouTube videos three times a week right now about my life and my lifestyle and the trials and tribulations of being 23 and figuring your life out. <laughs> That's what I like to say. It, it is like the theme, at least right now. Yeah, that's a good pitch. And we definitely relate as far as our content as well. We try to focus on, you know, staying real as a postgrad and showing it's not always super glamorous. So definitely love, love that and love how candid you are with your content. Yes, for sure. Um, So obviously, some might see your path as a bit like unconventional, or at least I'm thinking in terms of our audience, because knowing who follows us, most people are going into more conventional careers. And I say that with air quotes. Um, So we are curious to learn more about like your journey with social media and the responsibilities that come with, like you said, content creation. I think that is a great way to um, sum up everything that you do. Yeah. I I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it. I have held real jobs, quote, Mm -hmm. again, in the past, uh, internships and jobs. So I think that's important to note that I've kind I mean, I'm not going to be here out here like I'm well versed in real life and all that because obviously I'm only 23 and I don't have too much experience under my belt, but Mm -hmm. I've done a few real things in the workforce. But for YouTube um, and all that, that's really the primary place that all my social media work started Uh, in high school. I just found it. I was always a super outgoing person and I just had a thing for being on camera and also the editing and like the behind the scenes work. So I just, yeah played around with YouTube when I was younger, got into it that way. And I've been on this channel since I was 13. I had some other channels before where I would do like music videos and more skits and things like that, just kind of finding my way. And then I decided on this channel for a more at the time, it was like a beauty and fashion focus. But I think that's the beauty of YouTube and social media in general is that you could always evolve. And like, as long as you have an overarching theme, I think that's like, you know, we can go more into branding and things like that. But as long as you have, you know, values or morals or like yeah an overarching theme that you can kind of land with those subsectors underneath it so I never want to limit myself and just say for example like oh I'm just going to talk about beauty because that's not who I am you know I, I actually really do happen to like really have a passion for makeup and things like that but I also love travel and I love sharing my family and my friends and you know my breakdowns like whatever it may be <laughs> like um and everything in between so that's kind of how I fell into it if you will pretty intentional it's not I don't want to be like oh I stumbled and like somehow ended up here because it definitely was like years and years and years of working at it I wasn't like one of those people that like happened to blow up overnight nothing wrong with that but it's definitely been uh years in the making if you will (laughs) yeah I mean it's crazy that you've been working on it since you were 13 and I feel like Mm -hmm. every like I don't know millennial gen z whatever generation we are can relate to the like making music videos and skits I feel like that's such a like thing for our generation like I have so many questions like the photo booth application <laughs> on the computer and like I all know. the you guys do that <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know things. but it was such a thing it really was um so we know that you did briefly work in corporate and it mm-hmm. wasn't for you so you've kind of since pivoted to pursuing social media full-time and we kind of want to know a little more about that transition to being your own boss. So curious to know, what would you say are the best and the worst things about working for yourself? I love, I mean, this is a really selfish thing. Obviously it's an entrepreneurial thing. I just love how everything I do directly benefits like me and my career. Um, Mm -hmm. So I felt that like a lot of the times, which is natural, of course, when you work for a corporation or just when you work for anybody else, majority of the work you do benefits them. 
which is obviously what you sign up for with the job. So I was in sales. Everything I was selling was, you know, for the company. And um, there were bonuses, but it really wasn't like a commission-based job. So I, I could understand like the commission element of it. Um, but I, I remember even talking to my mom about it. I was like, this is so weird, mom. I'm like putting in all this work and like selling a product for someone else. And she was like, welcome to the real world, Brooke. Like, yeah, <laughs> like that's how it is. Um, and then I guess the other element of it, what, what was the question again? I'm sorry. There's like two points of it, right? Best and the worst thing. Best and worst. Um, yeah. And then the worst I think is just, yeah, holding yourself accountable and like really, finding that inner motivation. Like I definitely am a motivated person. So I don't really necessarily struggle with like, Oh, I have to do work today, but there's always going to be tasks you don't necessarily want to do. There's going to be like the tasks that you dread for some people. It's, you know, the more administrative stuff, like the emails for me, it's the finances. I cannot stand it and taxes and all that stuff. It's just, it's not even that I hate doing it. It's just, it's confusing to me. So it's like challenging of course. So we're comfortable doing what we're comfortable with. Um, but it is important. And when you work for yourself, you know, you take on all of those hats and responsibilities of course like you can get help from outside people and I have many people that are helping me in various avenues um but a lot does end up on your shoulders when you work for yourself sure um kind of a quick aside question with that what is like your how do you keep yourself accountable and keep yourself motivated to do even the things that you don't necessarily want to do with the job yeah um I try to I mean I'm just big on to-do list in general and making holding myself accountable for tasks throughout that day of course do I always get done everything on my to-do list for the day no but I try to really be like you know I, I give myself a realistic set number of things I have to do and just knowing that I can't really move forward until those things are done and of course once again there's instances where they get surpassed and you know I'm sure there's projects that I've been wanting to do for a very long time that I haven't quite gotten to I'm not really talking about those per se but like the more day-to-day -day tasks even the ones I'm dreading I try to be like, you know, Tuesday, I'm doing it, end of story, no discussions. And like I said, I have like a pretty a pretty good sense of motivation in myself, which I know not everybody has. So it's difficult for me to discuss like finding that motivation because I'm like pretty lucky that I naturally have that. And I know it's hard to explain to people. And I've had many friends or not even friends, but just people in my life that it's it's difficult for me to wrap my brain around, you know, how, why don't they have the same motivation that I do? But everybody's different and you can never like, teach someone mm -hmm. how to be motivated in a weird way sure. um and I'm learning that as I get older I think so yeah I'm a more calm with other people <laughs> just type yeah. a things yes exactly yeah <laughs> this is a very type a podcast so you're in the right place <laughs> um so kind of pivoting away from that a little bit uh we're curious obviously brand deals are a really big part of mm -hmm. any influencer's job um so we're curious if you have any tips for advocating and negotiating for yourself. And we can do both, you know, with brand deals and contracts, but also kind of leaning into, like Anya said, um, you are a big advocate for uh, content creation as a legitimate job. That's not totally. like the right way to put it, but like it's just as stable as any other job. Yeah. Um, so could you touch a little bit on that? Yeah, well, when it comes for advocating for yourself, like I even think about like people like you guys who are just starting or whatever, um, I think it's really important to know your facts about your show and everything. Like we're pretty big, uh, even for my podcast and just for my platforms in general, like I know that I don't have 2 million followers. I recognize that, but I know my audience really freaking well. And I know like who they are and I know what they like. I know what type of videos they like. I know what type of content they like. And I can pretty much predict it before it goes live. So really 
coming to terms with that and coming to understand those things. Like I know if a brand asked me to do a certain type of video and it won't perform well, I straight up tell them because I know it will flop. So really like understanding your brand and like your audience mostly also having those, that data kind of on hand. Like, like I said, I know personally, I don't have 2 million followers, but I know that my audience is super engaged and that's a really big statistic is knowing that they're, well, you know, we might not, I say we're, we're like small, but mighty, like my audience (laughs) is not actually, but you know, in the scheme of, social media people, especially now on TikTok, and you see these stars with like 50 million followers, it's mind blowing to me. But I think it's way more important to have an engaged audience. So highlight those um, analytics, I guess, that stand out. It might not be your engagement, but maybe it's, you know, your gender ratio. Um, You know, I know females tend to buy at higher percentages. So that could be something that could be useful. Um, Every brand looks for different things. But I think just really advocating for yourself in terms of all of those different areas and taking the time to understand yourself, your show, your brand, whatever it may be, you know, if you're selling a product or whatever, um, it's just as important to know all of that and have all that info down. Yeah, definitely. Um, And we know that you've been very outspoken about the Black Lives Matter movement, which we think is so awesome. And we were curious if you could touch a little bit on whether you think it's kind of the responsibility of YouTubers, influencers, social media uh, personalities to speak out about civil rights and human rights issues. Like, do you think this is something that you kind of signed up for when you decided to have a platform or do you think it's people's right to kind of stay out of it? I think it's definitely something that comes with having a platform. Um, And I'm realizing that as I get older, you know, there's times in my past that I probably didn't do such a good job and I'm trying to hold myself more accountable moving forward. Um, And I'm recognizing that with power comes responsibility. So with, with power, with influence, whatever you want to say it like that, you, yes. So definitely you have a social responsibility, social obligation to um, fight for all causes, I will say, including black lives matter for sure. Um, and it's been really great to see, you know, so many people kind of find their voice in that. And I know a lot of people have struggled and I don't want to be out here, um, saying, you know, that things are performative activism or whatever it is. I think that people are just kind of finding their voice and their groove. And I think the world is really moving forward. and It's really nice to see. We still have a lot of room to grow as a world, of course, but it's been really nice to see the involvement of the social media community in all of this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think you've been such a good character in all of this at kind of being so candid and being so honest and, you know, not sugarcoating things on social media, which has been really great to see as well. Thank you. Trying my best. And yeah, it's definitely, I feel like for so many years, um, it, I avoided it. I know a lot of people that I know also avoided these things because they're, like, they're touchy subjects. You don't want to say mm-hmm. the wrong thing. But I think that we're all learning that saying the wrong thing is just kind of part of the process of getting involved and in terms of helping out and using your platform for good, you know, you might stumble along the way and say something's wrong, but that's better than saying nothing at all. So completely feel that. Yeah. I know there was like a post going around social media that was, it was something along the lines of like, it's better to show up imperfectly and willing to change than to not show up at all. And completely like as cliche that. as that is, yeah, it's really important. Um, so now kind of moving into specifically, um, being a YouTuber, podcaster, and like kind of the advice that you have. Um, obviously, you're much more experienced in the social media world than Anya and I oh are. <laughs> um, so 
We definitely wanted to get your perspective on advice you might have for others looking to start like us. I think a lot of people, especially in quarantine, started content creation, whether it be a podcast, a YouTube channel, a blog. Um, we all just had the time on our hands to find the yeah. for it. Um, so yeah, so I think people will be really interested in hearing your perspective. So what would you do differently if you were just starting out now? Obviously, you've been doing this for a really long time and 2020 is a bit of a different time to start social media. So what is your best advice for that? Yeah, I think that when I did start, I kind of did this, but I also really was like a trend follower. And I really, you know, looked up to people like Juicy Star 07 and Bethany Moda. And I kind of followed their, tried to follow their formula for success. And I've realized that that doesn't really work. And I think you see a lot of these kind of like, copycat like figures now on social media who try to emulate what someone else is doing it's not going to work I mean there already is that person that person already exists we know that that's true so I kind of wish I was a little more I was always authentically myself but I feel like my content didn't fully reflect that and I was doing just videos that were I guess like maybe they were interests of mine but just inauthentic to my myself as I know it now and of course I've had a lot of personal growth and change over those 10 years but um definitely the content would have been different um consistency wise, I've taken a lot of lengthy breaks. And I think breaks are really healthy for your mental health. And for I, I balanced a lot with school and YouTube and things like that. So a lot of those breaks had to do do with like academic work and things like that. Uh, but I probably would be more consistent just overall, because a lot of those summers that I just decided to take off or like a semester here and there that I was like, I'm too busy to post could have been, you know, key growth points or just I think all algorithms kind of favor consistency too. So that's really important. And just for your brand in general, like the audience doesn't like to see that you just go missing for three months. It's kind of like, Hey, I liked you and I liked your content. Like, where'd you go? Um, so I think those things kind of all involved. I think you guys are doing a great right now. I think everybody's starting during quarantine. It's so great. Um, now's, I mean, there's no really like perfect time to start, but Hey, if you're sitting at home and you're looking for a new hobby, why not start now? Yeah, that's actually a really good segue into the next question that we wanted to ask, which is, do you kind of buy into this idea that social media, it could be too saturated of a platform to get into right now? And what kind of content do you think people are drawn to? What do you think like the main gaps are? Yeah, um, I do not think that is definitely definitely too saturated because I mean, we could think of TikTok, for example. Um, I, I always bring it back to TikTok because I'm like just infatuated <laughs> with it right now. I was just listening to um, Addison Ray's podcast where she says that she started TikToking July of last year. So July of 2019, she posted her first TikTok. Now she has 25 million followers on Instagram. She hangs out with the Kardashians and this is her life as a celebrity now. So it just goes to show you that one year can truly change someone's life. So I definitely... Um, don't think it's too saturated at all. And that's like, obviously the biggest example I could think of, but even just for the small scale stuff, I've seen incredible growth from people, or even if your, your main goal isn't growth, but like I said, just like engaging with the small, awesome community, I think that's great too. So kind of like finding your niche, realizing what you bring to the table, what your interest, what sets you apart. I always say that because we don't need just another vlogger. In my opinion, I think that there's too many people just being like, Oh, I'm blogging, but what sets you apart? You know, are you um, a certain kind of student? Like, are you maybe you want to do vlogs with your family? I don't know, just try to make it like a little more unique and find your way. And not that all of your content has to be that way. But like carving out that little niche, niche, whatever it's called for yourself. <laughs> like, the niche or niche, you can pronounce it either way. Is that kind of? Yeah, I say I niche. Think, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I say niche. Okay. But that could be a New Hampshire thing. So. Yeah, it could be like regional. <laughs> Northeastern thing, niche. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely I definitely think that there's room um, for anyone to start. And I think that we are really moving to a world where a lot of people are going to have a social media presence, whether that be that they have a YouTube channel or they love you know, posting on Instagram. I noticed it even more and more when I was at college and I kept meeting this younger generation because I, I was in a sorority. So I would always meet like the year in, the year girls that were incoming and I noticed that it was more and more of a connection to social media versus my friends and my friend group were just as a lame example, they were still editing their pictures with like the Instagram pre-built in filters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. that, that yeah. was like my generation. And it really was like, you know, we were just getting into Visco and all of these things. And now I see the girls who are younger and younger and they are so on top of the trends. And um, I think that it's only going to become more and more that way. Yeah, it's actually crazy how far ahead I feel like this upcoming generation is. I don't know. Are they still Gen Z? Do they have a new name? I'm not sure. It depends how, like, what age range, because I think technically we're Gen Z, too. So us through, I'm pretty sure if you're, like, 13 right now, like, I'm pretty sure, like, that whole, but if they're younger than that, I don't know what they are, actually. Good question. Yeah, but it's crazy how, like, on TikTok, there's all those ones that are, like, Girls on TikTok at 14 versus me at 14. Yeah. It's like you have cheese cheese and like a layer pastel tea with like a layered yep. cami. Actually, it was <laughs> me. I was like probably still playing with dolls, but it's fine. Yeah. I know. They're so like, they're so advanced. They're evolving. They're <laughs> evolving. <laughs> it's true. Um, so now shifting gears over into like your move to NYC. Um obviously that's a really big change moving to a new city uh and you moved out of boston which is where anya and i are based so a little sad to see you go but we understand but so in a recent vlog you talked about how um with this move you're kind of like this is a chance to like kind of have a fresh start make some new changes in your life kind of like like new city new me type of motto um so can you talk a little bit about like the specific self-development that you were referring to yeah, definitely. And just to clarify, I do not think you have to move to change your life. Like, I, I definitely don't agree with that. I think anybody could choose to change something that they're unhappy with. Um, sure. I'm not going to say overnight because obviously some things take time. But if you want to, you know, wake up tomorrow and start working towards a change, you can. Or right sure. now, whatever it is. But for me, I was like, I'm moving. I have this perfect opportunity to kind of become a better version of me. And I am proud of the person that I have become. And I'm proud of the person even that I was a year ago. I just think that I've learned a lot more valuable lessons in terms of all of the various areas, friendship, work. I just feel like I had a pretty, a pretty positive experience just overall with a lot of things in my life. You know, I had my solid group of friends in college. My life was just pretty stable. And then in Boston, I just kind of encountered, um, some unstable friendships, unstable relationships, whatever you want to call it, um, and kind of shifted my perspective on life and like what I find important and the kind of person that I want to be. And I really just want to be a stronger, I I am really strong and independent, I will say, but I want to become like a stronger version of myself and someone who is learning and growing every day. And um, I mean, it's really as far as, you know, health wise, just walking and you know, exercising more and more movement to everything from like being a better friend. It's really just everything on the spectrum. I actually just went ahead and journaled one day and just kind of like wrote out the things that I want to change. And I still want to be broke. Obviously I'm not out here. Like I want to be a different person, but I'm not the same person I was yesterday. I'm not the same person I was a year ago. I still have uh, characteristics that are similar to that person, but I think it's so healthy for everyone to 
learn and grow from the past. And you don't even have to go through like, quote, like trauma or go through anything to really have this desire to change. You could just be like, I just want to be a better version of myself. And that's cool too. Yeah. And I definitely think, although your point about, you know, you can make change at any point is so true and so important to note that a big change like moving to a new city, like mm-hmm. being in a new physical space can be such a catalyst for personal growth. Really? But, so I think it's cool that you're highlighting that on your platforms. And I'm excited to see how you continue to decorate your apartment because that's a personal yes. interest of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's coming. We, we just did some more work today. Um, my parents came. It's so nice. Also, um, I'm originally from Long Island, New York. So it's really nice having my parents more close by. It's really just alleviated a lot of my stresses. I haven't lived this close to home since I was in high school uh, because I went to the University of Georgia, which was rather far from home. Then I moved to Boston, which was also pretty far from home. So it's really nice. I just feel like I kind of have like this new lease on life. And of course, I've only been here for like a week, what a week and a half, you know, not long, but I feel really positive in this space. And I feel like it was a good choice for me. Yeah. And that's kind of um, a good transition into our question of like, what's been the most exciting part of the move for you? Is it kind of this prospect of like a new beginning? Or are you just excited to like finally live in the city that you've, you know, thought of as your place for so long? Kind of what's what's the most exciting part of all of this for you? I think the most exciting is just the city in general. You know, I've always dreamed of living here. And I never really, not that I never thought this day would come. That's like dramatic. But um I I never really fully pictured it here so the fact that it's really here is amazing um when the world is open and normal again um I was really excited because there's a lot of opportunity that comes with living in New York with like YouTube and social media stuff um at least more than Boston nothing wrong with Boston but it's just like more of a social media hub it's like LA or New York kind of vibe Mm -hmm. at least in the United Mm -hmm. States so I was really excited for that and moving forward and having those opportunities here and just being like a New York creator and collabing with people, of course, when the world is open again and really putting myself out there. And I love how I live in walking distance to most things. So I could really not in, to everything, of course, but to many things that I can kind of zip around. I felt like in Boston, just based on my location, everything I was kind of isolated. I lived alone, but here I live alone, but I have never felt more connected because I think I'm in the city and like really I'm here. I have... Um, great groups of friends kind of all around. I have some friends from high school. I have some friends from college, some friends from YouTube and social media and just new people that I'm like really super excited to meet whenever it's safe to, of course. Um, so I just feel very content really on all ends and just happy to be in the city. And of course your, your rooftop is nothing that <laughs> <Yeah>. either. <laughs> it's yeah, I'm really, really lucky. Um, especially during these times when, you know, might not be like the best to like necessarily leave or do whatever I can hang on my roof. It's great. (laughs) For sure. Um, So that actually might transition us a little bit into the next question. But what have you been most nervous about with this move? Um, I think expenses, if I'm going to be like totally candid, obviously, it's like super expensive. Well, moving in general is just super expensive. Um, and then I'm spending even more money on rent than I was in my previous apartment. So of course the fear of like failure is always there and persistent being like, you know, if you feel like you can't pay your rent, like you, what are you going to do? And I do have like money and savings and like things in place of stuff. But of course it's like a real stress and a real burden to feel, um, and like the pressure of it. And like, for me right now, that pressure is driving me to like work harder and like do more things. Uh, but I could see that as a potential stressor or a source of stress. 
it's also just an expensive city in general. Like, I feel like you go out and get a few drinks, and I'm like, wow. I mean, Boston was expensive, too, but New York is next level, man. So, <laughs> it's, I know. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's, like, the answer that people necessarily want to hear because it's, like, scary, but it's true. No, yeah. It's definitely yeah. good for people to know if they're considering a move to New York City. I think we all know that with how crazy rent is in Boston, I can't imagine it any crazier, but I know that it is. So, um, yeah. I feel like you you were so lucky in your apartment search to like find this place so quickly and really uh, make moves on it so fast. That was really a good move on your part to nail it down. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I'm really happy with the timeline and everything. Um, I'm just happy to have the separation um, of kind of like living here, but I still am close to my family and everything. Like I just feel really like so blessed to live here. Yeah. Yeah, we're in like a similar, I guess, location position as far as like being Boston based, but having a home in Southern New Hampshire. Totally. I feel like it's a pretty comparable like drive time type of thing. So totally yeah. sympathize with that. <laughs> it's nice yeah. to be like nearby enough that you feel that comfort if you're like, if something ever, like if I ever needed my family, like it's so crazy to think that even as, are you guys 22? Yeah. 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 So even as like 22, 23 year old people, like I still feel that connection to home. I mean, crap. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I definitely still, I think you realize also as you get older, how important that is. Cause I was so, when I was younger, I was so excited to move out and go to college mm-hmm. and be like, whatever, like I'm, I'm leaving. And now I'm like, wait, mom and dad, I miss you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know. It's so true. I feel like everyone is so just like ready to get out into the world when they're 18 and so like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and then you turn 22 and you graduate and you realize like home is kind of where it's at also yeah exactly (laughs) um and you have Adina to hang out with so that's always fun as well yeah (laughs) by the way my friend Emily has been watching you since we were in high school so probably close to when you started and she says hi to you of course but she also wanted me to say hi to your mom as well oh my gosh I will pass that along she will love it she gets so gassed up by it all she's like oh my gosh don't let it go to your head come on (laughs) it's easy for moms though because she still doesn't fully understand social media like she doesn't she doesn't have a tiktok or anything like that so there's many apps that she still doesn't understand so when she when i tell her you know people are commenting xyz it's like she's like what like my kind of that's funny. so funny um so i guess speaking of like places to call home we know you never really felt like you could necessarily call boston your home and you never really felt like it was necessarily your long term place but is there anything in particular you know you'll miss about it, whether it's like <laughs> the Esplanade or Tate or anything that, you know, we can uh, relate to as Bostonians here? I really did love the city. And I really loved, like, uh, I mean, well, now living in New York, I have a new appreciation for the cleanliness of the city. So that's one thing. Um, <laughs> and I love how walkable the city is, um, how, I mean, I love, like, Newberry, like, if we're going to get mm-hmm. like, technical, like, shopping, it's incredible. Food. The going out scene was great. I will say, like, I had the summer, the probably the best summer of my life thus far was last summer. So no, like, absolutely no shade towards Boston. I feel like a lot of people take what I when I say like, oh, I left is like being like, oh, I'm so pissed that you didn't like Boston or whatever. And I'm like, I never said that. I just, you know, I kind of had no purpose for further being there, and this was always my goal. So like, I'm gonna live my try to live my dreams at least while I'm young. I actually was just telling someone recently. I was like, I would love to, you know, one day settle down, like live in Massachusetts maybe outside of Boston like I don't know it's not off the table forever like I love the city so much and uh I could see why so many people live there in college and post-grad 
Yeah, for sure. Where was like your go-to going out place in Boston? <laughs> the Harp. Have you guys ever heard of the Harp? Yeah, I haven't been there though. <laughs> I love it. Okay, they have they have two floors. So the basement they usually mm-hmm. do like the DJ or music, and then the first floor is live music. And I'm not like a crazy big fan of live music, but they have like jam bands, and it is fun. So that many like fun. little bars, so you never have to stress it about like mm-hmm. fighting to get a drink oh my gosh I miss bars now this is making I know. Me, like, <laughs> like crave like sweating on a dance floor <laughs> yeah I went to Northeastern so I feel like our go-to yeah. was always Fenway because it was just the closest yeah. so like so many nights at Lansdowne I don't know if you've been to Lansdowne yes, or, like yes. Cookie Monkey yep yeah, Anya and I have a special place in our heart for Lansdowne. Lansdowne and Cheeky Monkey. That's like the move. That's the yeah. – you got to throw in Jillian's. It's like the trifecta of Fenway. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe – what is it? Loretta's, the country theme one? Yeah. If you're feeling yeah. particularly – I made it to Baseball Tavern before it closed. Did you guys ever go there? No. Yes, yes. I, I know. Didn't. I remember there was like a – seeing it off type party. Um, <laughs> oh. But yeah, it, I don't know. I just think it's funny because it's like – the only good thing about it is the location near Fenway. You know, like it's so average yeah. in my opinion. <laughs> oh, completely. Yeah, no, all those, but it's nice because they're in a row. That was like something yes. that I loved about my college town, Athens, is that like all of the bars were really walkable and close. And I realized that that's something that not every town or city has. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's like they have like one bar, like maybe one bar, yeah. or one bar. Um, so it's Boston so cool for stuff like that. Going out was great. The summer in Boston's unmatched. I mean, yeah, it's great. <laughs> R.I.P. this summer in Boston. Though. I know. Uh, yeah, it's okay. Next summer we'll get a yeah, vaccine. we'll get next, next summer with a vaccine. We'll be good. All <laughs> set. Um, so, given that you have moved a bit frequently, I think you were talking about that in one of your recent videos. How much you've. Yeah. Moved. Um. So, what is like your number one tip, or like the biggest thing you've learned for making your move as smooth as possible? Ooh. Okay. Good question. Um. Well, number one is, and I still haven't mastered this, but just like cut out the junk. I mean, there's so much stuff that you probably just have and you carry from place to place and you're like, why the heck am I bringing this if I've never used it? Um, just like the, the clothes you refuse to get rid of or like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like I have like my junk drawers, so like what resides in there? I don't know, like old beauty products or something that I have like these weird attachment to that I just can't get rid of. But if you're just moving stuff to move stuff, it's just more expensive for you and just more work for you. So really... I'm not by no means by calling myself a minimalist, but I've tried to just like cut down on the amount of stuff that I have giving it away to friends and family or like just getting rid of it in general. Um, Well, I have another, like this is such a specific random tip, but if you're moving in college, something that we always used to do is to just flip a garbage bag upside down, cut a hole on that end and then throw that around racks of clothes and move clothes that Mm -hmm. way. Um, it didn't really work for this move because I kind of put myself in storage for a minute in between. So that was like a, di- a different circumstance. Um, I mean, have an awesome dad. I'm really lucky. <laughs> My dad is like the, the man when it comes to moving. <laughs> so I'm very, very lucky. <laughs> You'll have to um, tell me about the storage company that you used when we hang up because I'm weirdly yes. in a position to look for one right now. So I got you. Right. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> um. So I think that's kind of all of the main questions that we had for you. So now we're going to shift into our favorite part of our guest episodes, which is this or that. So everyone knows the drill. Brooke has not seen these questions. So it's going to be a real candid, rapid fire (laughs) type response. And we tried to curate these 
to you. Sometimes ours are like oh a little gosh. more random, but since we like kind of knew you, we tried to curate them and make them hard for you. So. Oh my gosh, amazing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. okay, so the first one is Twitter or TikTok? Wow, you guys know me. Um, okay, <laughs> I am uh, taking a little, not a break, but I, I deleted the Twitter app off my phone in an attempt to be more mature and not uh, tweet every single emotion or feeling that I have. So right now, TikTok. Um, but I love Twitter. It does bring me like genuine joy and everything. It's just TikTok. The content, once you get your for you page, like the algorithm, oh my gosh. It, <laughs> it hits different. Content. Yes. <laughs> um, it, that reminds me of the Charlie D'Amelio quote where she was like, my Twitter fingers got the best of me. Yeah. Oh, 100%. <laughs> no, I mean, I've been dealing with this for years, but even so more so when I live on my own, I'm like late at night, like in my thoughts, I like tweet random stuff. And I'm like, self control, bro. You're 23. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm 16. So she could use that excuse. <laughs> what, uh, what side of TikTok are you on right now? Okay, so I commented on something like a month ago. And someone was like, Oh, my gosh, you're on alt TikTok. And I was like, Whoa, like they replied to my comment. Like, Brooke, you're yeah. on alt. But since all the recent drama I've been dragged kind of back into straight TikTok or mainstream whatever you want to call it because Mm -hmm. you I swear you go to one of their profiles like anyone that's like a popular TikToker and they just serve you all the dancing content Mm -hmm. Uh, but I have a little bit of New York a lot of New York actually like restaurant racks and things like that um Trader Joe's. <laughs> Important. Yeah. Do you guys get the Trader Joe's TikToks? They're so good. Yeah. yeah. We actually just did a Trader Joe's episode a couple episodes ago. Oh, wow. It's like over an hour of our like grocery list. So. Oh, I'm 100% going to have to listen. I love it. <laughs> um, and then honestly, co- like, I don't know, is comedy even aside? I get like a lot of just funny stuff. Like Vine yeah. type content. Yes. Like yeah. memes almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what times yeah. are you guys on? I'm always interested to hear um, I'm consistently on cottagecore TikTok. <laughs> it's um, really important to Anya to be on cottagecore TikTok. It is. I just really, I love watching like all the like elderflower tea, like aesthetic videos and like all the farm, <laughs> like hobby farm goats. Like I'm, it's, yeah, that's, that's probably my favorite side of TikTok. But, um, I think I probably gravitate towards the like vine, like TikTok for the most part as well. Yeah. Cause people say like TikTok is not the new Vine, and I'm like, you're just not on the right side of TikTok then, because yeah, it totally could go be. In, that's that's when you have to send them a bunch of ones to like like and comment on to engage with them, and then they start getting them. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Kylie? Um, I'm on mainstream TikTok. I feel like for the <laughs> most part, a little bit of meme TikTok. For a hot second, I was on Hamilton TikTok. Like every mm-hmm. single talk was from Hamilton, which I am a huge. Anya and I have talked about it. We're huge fans of Hamilton, so I was so there for it but it's died down a bit yeah i love a good dance video i can't stop so watching them. they're so I mean, fun i have to say whenever i get a dance tutorial because you know some accounts are just like tutorial accounts whenever i get a dance tutorial i try to learn it because i'm like they're serving it to me for a reason like i guess <laughs> i have to learn it it's in the stars um yeah, yeah well it freaks me out how some of the dance tutorial tiktoks like wear the backwards hoodies have you seen i don't like it i don't like those i have oh. to watch the ones with the face and <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's so I bizarre. I had a brief stint on frog TikTok as well, which Kylie just could not relate. Um, <laughs> what? But, 
what do they talk about they show like frogs in different scenes like it's it's a thing there's like frogs like at fruit stands they're like i don't know what it is man but it was it was it's over now but it was a lot she would just like show me her phone and it would just be like a frog with like a cowboy hat on and i was like this is a bit too much for me yeah it was a moment um but our little tiktok tangent aside our next this or that is leather jacket or denim jacket Ooh, okay. I'm going to say leather because uh, I think it really finishes a look. I think a denim jacket has a special place as well in in a closet. Both essentials, of course. But I really feel like a a leather jacket just edges up any look. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like a leather jacket is a good, like, night time look and denim is like a daytime yeah I would agree with that too I haven't been reaching for my denim jacket I mean even it's summer obviously so I've been reaching for either but I just I'm starting to get over the denim jacket look maybe it's because I've just overdone it so I need to Mm -hmm. you know sometimes once you do it a lot you have to like step back you know how it goes yeah I feel like I need a good leather jacket because the only one I have is like from when the cropped like the very cropped look was still a thing and I feel like I need to get on the more like oversized look to actually yeah I would encourage you to find one that also you could wear a sweater underneath like your arms aren't like suffocating um Mm. because that really changed the leather jacket game for me too because I would always wear ones that like you know if you wear anything bulky underneath you look like um (laughs) like like a a marshmallow (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) and that really changed the game for me all right the next question is wine or spiked seltzer Ooh, different different uses because wine I get like okay so I'll say I'll say spike seltzer, and my thought behind this is I love wine as well, but wine makes me sleepy. Mm. I don't know if you guys have this experience. Yeah. I feel like an elderly woman because I have like two glasses of wine. I'm like ready for bed. I think it's great, but I just can't drink it in like a social setting because it's like mm-hmm. okay, Brooke has to go like take a nap now. Um, <laughs> spike seltzer is appropriate for all uses. You know, like you can drink it at a barbecue. You can drink it if you if you want to drink alone. It's not that weird to drink a spike seltzer. I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just gets the job done. <laughs> um, if you were to drink wine, would you do red or white? White. Oh, hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. Pinot Grigio. Yeah, I'm the same way. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Anya's not, but. <laughs> well, I like all wine. Um, I don't discriminate. I used to not like red wine, but I really think it does have a place in the winter season. I would, I would agree with that. I am also a fan of a good sangria. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah that yeah I used to think that I liked red wine but it was only because I had ever had Franzia red mm. wine and that's anyone listening that that's not wine that's like Welch's grape juice in a box so yeah I tried like real I went to Italy for school and I tried like real red wine and I was like yeah this is awful I've tried to be refined and like order it my friends all drink it because they like it's classy and like whatever, mm-hmm. and they like the taste. I mean, they don't drink it to be classy, but it is like a a nice evening beverage. But I, I can't get it behind it. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. quite full bodied. I can understand. Yeah, <laughs> um, I feel like this one's going to be especially hard. But Panera or Chipotle? Good one, but I have to say Chipotle pretty quickly because um, <laughs> I love Panera, but Chipotle just I feel like I could never get sick of it. Hmm. Although Panera, they have more on the menu. But Chipotle is just like, it really, I 
I mean, I'm that basic girl. Like, I love it that much. <laughs> yeah. I would pick Chipotle too, for sure. Really? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I just think Kylie and I are both vegetarian, and Panera is like yeah. very oh, subpar cool. when it comes to their veg options. Yeah. 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 Chipotle, I would say, is pretty expansive for vegans and vegetarians, honestly. They have yeah. like, options for all. You guys do dairy still? So you would do cheese yeah. on that? The Chipotle cheese. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> it's it really is. Um, so then our last this or that is Tate or Starbucks. Ooh. Okay. Um it depends what you're getting. Cause obviously if you're going for like brunch tate, like the avocado toast, I know this is so basic, but like it's probably some of the best I've had in my life. The bread is incredible. So fluffy. Mm-hmm. And like the lattes are great and everything. But if I just want like a cold brew, definitely Starbucks. What do yeah. you guys have to say? Yeah, on? You're the Bostonians. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know because I used to always get Starbucks and then we got a Tate on the Northeastern campus like for my last year. Wow. And my roommate worked there. So they throw out everything at the end of the day. So she would bring home Tate pastries oh. like pretty much every shift, which was great. But I feel like because I got it so often, I'm a little burnt out, a little sick of it, which is a privilege, I recognize. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I'm with you, Brooke. I think food from Tate, but like coffee from Starbucks. Yeah, I just was never really like blown away by the mm-hmm. coffee there. Like it was good and I would order it again, but it wasn't like standout. Yeah, especially the cold brew. I find actually this is a hot take. I find that like boutique spots for cold brew aren't as good as Starbucks cold brew. Like a Tate or like even like a local coffee shop, sometimes it's mm-hmm. too strong and like I don't mm-hmm. it's almost like acidy tasting. I don't know, this could be my mm-hmm. taste buds, but that's a hot take. <laughs> Are you a nitro nitro gal? I'm not a nitro gal. I used to be and then I uh realized that why would I do that to myself when regular just tastes so much better? Yeah. <laughs> And I kind of feel like if you get used to nitro and you, like, get acquainted to that level of caffeine every day, you just can't – yeah, it's hard to transition back because you'll get headaches. It's, like, a whole thing. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like it doesn't taste as good with any sort of creamer or flavoring. The nitro doesn't – if you do – as opposed to classic, you know, if you put a little sweetener in it or almond milk or soy milk or whatever – it just blends (laughs) better than the nitro because the nitro is meant to be stirred. Right. Yeah. I've always wondered that. Like, I'm like, is the foam on top? Like, do we, do we touch her? Do we put ice? What's yeah, the... it's a good question. Yeah. They never made it clear. And I feel like, do you feel like nitro like popped up one day and everyone was just like, oh yeah, nitro. And it's like, we've never had this before. Like, <laughs> where did this come from? It's like, yeah, that TikTok that's like, we had never done this before. Why'd you decide this was the day we're going to do this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That nitro I... and oat milk. They did yeah. like, all of a sudden overnight. Everyone was like, "What do you mean you don't drink oat milk?" I was like, "I never." Heard I know of this. all the cool people are like, "I've been like drinking that since I was born." I'm like, "No, you weren't. Like this has <laughs> never existed." <laughs> Legit. Thanks for um, indulging us in our game of this or that. I feel like it's yeah, always a fun way to end off an episode. So um, and with that, thank you literally so much for taking time out of your day to be on the Two Degrees Hotter podcast. We are so privileged <laughs> oh no oh my gosh of course you girls are so sweet and i'm glad we got to chat yay yes yeah. we'll have all of brooke's social media and podcast information linked in the show notes in case mm-hmm. you live under a rock and you haven't checked her out yet <laughs> um, and with that of course as usual follow us on instagram follow our tiktok 
rate us on Apple Podcasts, the whole, the whole nine yards. And we'll talk to you guys next Tuesday. Yes. Bye guys. 